Welcome to Grumpy GDPR. My name is Ria, founder of No Ties Consulting. And my name is Milos Novic. I'm an associate professor of law. Well, hello, Grumpy GDPR people all around the world. So, uh, everybody who is within EU and is being either uh, targeted, profiled, delivered goods and services. Hello and welcome. <laughs> and hello to you, Dia. And hello to all our other listeners from across the entire globe. Like, have you? Do you have any idea how global we are now? <laughs> no, I have no idea. But That's so cool. Yeah. Well, if there is any legislation with the same kind of territorial reach as the GDPR, I'm not sure I want to find out. Actually, I do. <laughs> I do. So another year is slowly, slowly, slowly wrapping up. Oh my gosh, this is our last episode for this year. I don't know. I feel like this is, uh, we've been through so many things and this has been such an amazing, amazing year for the Grumpy GDPR. I've really enjoyed all of our discussions. But I thought we could end it on a grumpy note. What do you think? Uh, absolutely, 100% I support that because uh, I think we need to get uh, some of the grumpiness off our chests. Yes. So I think that there was a movie called 10 Things I Hate About You or something along those lines, like a romantic yeah. comedy. I'm not sure. Yeah, exactly. So I don't remember seeing it, but the name sounded very funny. And I thought, you know what, let's talk about things about the, about the GDPR, which irritate us today. And mm. let me open the floor by asking you, what irritates you? Is there a myth? Is there something that kind of makes you immediately want to run off into the woods when you hear it? <laughs> uh, oh my gosh, that is such a huge question. And you know, I uh, get grumpy all the time by uh, GDPR stuff. But I think uh, I want to start with one that uh, I find uh, a bit interesting. Mm -hmm. And that is, uh, if we can call it a myth, the P in GDPR stands for privacy. Yeah, yes. <laughs> oh my god, are we disagreeing since the very beginning of the episode? <laughs> yes, we are, maybe. Oh my god, I don't, don't know. do this to me. <laughs> but isn't that, that is one question I have for all of my quizzes whenever I do have speaking gigs or teaching gigs. Uh, I have that in my quiz. How many times does the GDPR mention the word privacy? Look, I agree. I agree the word is data protection. And yes, I agree that both concepts are different material scope. But for all intents and purposes, which practical difference does it make unless you have a pending case before a court? I mean, I don't know. To me, that is not a thing that annoys me. To the contrary, I would say insisting on the difference is <laughs> it's too technical. Come on. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. Oh. I think it the importance of distinction depends on your audience. And the more I worked with the GDPR, the more I realized that the, the one true key word for me in the GDPR is context. It's all about the context. If you are talking to the general public, go ahead and say privacy. Mm. It, it really doesn't matter that much. And I know people will probably throw stones at me if they were here to listen. But uh, I don't think that's crucial when you talk to the general public. But of course, if you're in a professional context and talking to other GDPR nerds, of course, data protection is the right word. Just Agreed. 
But, you know, come to think of it, uh, actually, I don't think we disagree that much because if a student wrote general data privacy regulation, I do not think they would have gotten a very good grade. So maybe we're <laughs> not that much misaligned here. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to pick a thing that irritates me to hell, and that is that everybody in the public, in the media, everywhere equates GDPR with consent. And it's driving me nuts when you see so many articles, when you hear so many stories and so many people so boldly stating that you need to get consent because of the GDPR, everyday people. Yeah. So uh, that is one of the things which is really, really weird and strange, I think. That is so funny because we're not going to tell the story here uh, because we don't have time, but uh, this is how we came into contact the very first time because of your annoyance <laughs> of consent in the GDPR. So let's just leave it at that. But that was awesome. And uh, this is how we actually met. So may maybe you shouldn't be that grumpy after all. That is true. That, that is entirely <laughs> true. And I should probably think before. I, it's just so very, very annoying to, for me to read the word consent. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I always say consent should be your last choice under the GDPR. I, solely under the GDPR, don't get me wrong. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it's surprising after these many years actually to see the uh, still reliance, high reliance on uh, consent. So uh, mm. I agree with you. I think um, uh, there's still too many misconceptions around that you need consent for everything. And on the other hand, as well, that consent is a fix for everything, right? Oh, not least. Yeah, just get consent. And even, you know, the other day I uh, I was reading up on uh, old guidelines and uh, working party 29 documents. And I came across this uh, statement from the EDPB that uh, even consent would be invalid if uh, the processing um, to begin with can be considered unfair. Yeah. That's their interpretation of the fairness principle. Um, can we add EDPB as such to list of things that annoy me beyond? <laughs> I thought that would be a good segue. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you take the lead there. Well, I uh, I wouldn't maybe list them uh, as one of the myths or misconceptions or even the biggest annoyances, but there's no doubt that uh, there's some guidances and some opinions that uh, we think maybe sometimes can overinterpret the GDPR and the latest one on the e-privacy. Uh, so I haven't uh, analyzed that myself in detail, but I see it's being heavily, heavily debated uh, on LinkedIn and in several events that the EDPB is now going past maybe their mandate and uh, wandering off into other supervisory authorities' uh, territories. Right. So the problem is, the way I see it, is because their recent strategy of putting everything under the principle of fairness um, deletes any legal certainty, right? Yes, mm -hmm. in many laws you have the principle of fairness and principle of good faith, but those are broad underlying principles where you do have a more specific provision you apply a specific provision. Otherwise, how, like, am I going to sit here today and think, you know what, I do have valid consent, but hmm, maybe this is unfair? Well, I do have to think about that in a way in order to get valid consent to begin with. So I don't see mm -hmm. 
yeah, it's it's weird. The EDPB is weird as such, but it's their job to write opinions and be restrictive, yeah. I suppose. But uh, we actually do have a misconception here when I think of it and a huge myth. And that is that the uh, guidelines from the EDPB uh, are legally binding. Yes, that is a huge one. Yeah, that is actually a huge one because they aren't. By no means their best practice, period. I think that's also one of the very first things I always say when teaching about privacy. Here are the legal sources. You have the GDPR, you have the Court of Justice decisions. Here is best practice. Do yeah. not overread it in a way. And someone from uh, one DPA uh, got back to me on that word because uh, that was one of my comments in a uh, in an online meeting. And uh, the individual commented that uh, that might be true or that that is true. But uh, the fact of the matter is that we as data protection authorities will still rely heavily on the EDPB guidelines. So, of course, that's worth keeping in mind when you uh, look at all your responsibilities, etc. as a controller. But uh, the fact is that they're not legally binding. But of course, uh, it could make sense to uh, rely on them uh, even still. And some of them are very useful. First, that is a very fair assessment, right? The data protection authorities should, must adhere to them when they can. And some of the guidelines actually include examples which are super useful to us. But still, I'm grumpy about this one. Yeah, me too. <laughs> oh, I know another one. Um, I can complain. No, 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 no. Actually, I'll save that for later. Uh, <laughs> I can ask to have all of my data deleted or uh, now we must delete everything because the data subject asks us. Yes. Yeah, you get a data subject request stating that you must delete all of my data. You delete all of that data, so there's misconceptions on both sides because uh, absolutely, 100%, no, you cannot do that. And the the horror story that I used to share on that is from 2018 when this um, uh, small boutique, uh, let's call it uh, business in Norway got so freaked out by the GDPR and what they read that they deleted their entire customer database. And worst case scenario, you actually break the law by doing that. You break other laws, for example, related to accounting or taxation or other business-related uh, laws. Mm. No, very clearly. And I think that people tend to forget. To me, that just shows kind of the misunderstanding of uh, of the fact that you have different purposes in the GDPR, that you, as a matter of principle, establish legal basis in reliance to those purposes, and that you can have multiple purposes for the same category of information. So it's just the basic stuff, and it's common sense. And right to get data deleted, I often say it's basically non-existent. Most of the grounds found uh, in that article include, well, if a processor, sorry, if a controller is processing personal data illegally, or if they have no use for this personal data. So it's a limited right. Don't overreact. Don't delete stuff. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I have a huge one now. Yes. This might be number one on my list now. And this is new from uh, this year. Because when we initially did this, it's funny, we're going to come back to that. But there's stuff on, my, on our original list that uh, doesn't apply anymore. But this one is, you must remove all risks. Yeah. Yeah. And oh my gosh. All risks. 
go and uh, make bulletproof cases for all the documents inside and ask people to leave their, I don't know, what should they leave? Uh, how should they authenticate? I don't know, is there such a thing so that not even James Bond can get <laughs> in there? You know, that it's it's along the same lines. Uh, what I usually say, there's no such thing as 100% compliance. We can throw that in there as well. Because there will always be risks. And I, I cannot fathom why some people really believe 100% that you should actually not limit, reduce, but you must remove all risks. This, my friends is completely wrong. Like, go to Article 24, go to even Article 39.2 on uh, the approach of DPOs. We are supposed to have a risk-based approach. And I found uh, so many quotes from the Norwegian DPAs uh, on their websites. Numerous times they talk about having a risk-based approach, uh, even for uh, cloud-based services and um that is our responsibility to determine what our risk appetite is. So, you know, you have to define what is our uh, level of tolerance here? How much risk are we willing to take on? Which makes total sense, right? Because you cannot remove all risks. It's not practical. It's not feasible. No, but that is built directly into the text of the law, right? You're required yeah. to implement appropriate measures. You have the principle of effectiveness, proportionality, everything. I, I do not think no. It's number one impossible in practice. Number two, not necessary under the law. So yeah, yeah I think we agree on that one. 100%. So so far we've said don't get consent, don't always delete data, don't read DDPBS binding, uh, don't what have I forgotten? The one we just talked about risks. Risks. Don't try to eliminate all risks. It cannot yes. be done and it's not necessary. Exactly. Yeah. What um, what uh, what else do you have up your sleeve today? Mm, I have to think a little bit. I don't know. There, there are just so many different things to pick between. I know. Uh, you have to pay. Uh, you have to buy an online platform. In us, we trust or whatever. Uh, uh, which is <laughs> yeah. which is going to solve all of your issues magically. <laughs> Plug it into an AI. Oh my gosh, I have the same uh, bullet point on my end here. And um, uh, because <laughs> I, I try to keep all the headings short, but you know what this heading is. Mm -hmm. Finally, now in 2023, over five years uh, since it came into effect and seven since it was launched, we have plug and play automated GDPR systems that work and are easy to use. So that's my myth. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, if only it were that easy. Oh my but gosh, it, yeah. What a business idea that would be if you could actually plug and play and be GDPR compliant. But you know, my problem is that marketing this type of products is so harmful. It's harmful to the people who are buying them. It's harmful to the data subjects. Um, somebody should report this to marketing authorities if I ever get a free day, <laughs> you know, let's type <laughs> yeah, a complaint. <laughs> Yeah, because um, it's unrealistic. It's, uh, you know, I used to uh, embrace the, the idea that the ROPA could be like your uh, one ring to unite them all, uh, sort of for all the governance and risk and privacy and security in your business. But the more I've worked hands-on with the GDPR, the more I realized that uh, it's just grown into this monstrosity. Um mm. 
so that's another one of mine that uh, that we could touch upon as well. Europa must include a lawful basis, which it right. doesn't have to. Uh, I'm not saying that you shouldn't, mm. but um, it ties into this idea that you think you can buy something plug and play and be compliant and that it's easy. It's my experience, all of those huge systems, it, it doesn't actually make either the DPO's life easier or the uh, controller as a whole. Yeah, you know, it would be great to develop an AI to do DPIAs. That would be fun to see. I'm fine with automatic templates and I'm fine with things where you give meaningful information. I was thinking, you you know, you plug in your records of processing and you get a fantastic risk assessments <laughs> out of that. Um, and it's always very nice to have good resources. I'm not going, okay, I'm going to shamelessly brag about you. You have been working a bit on that yourself. I am who I am. Uh, number one. What? Yes. You are my number one, unsurprisingly, maybe. Uh, DPO Hub uh, founding member. Yes, you have made an amazing, amazing, amazing uh, portal for all resources related to the GDPR. And all I'm going to say is that is a big reason to celebrate this year. Yeah, you know, uh, absolutely, uh, 100%. We bo both worked so hard this year, you on your book, me on uh, this initiative, and uh, we're definitely going to need some uh, time off in uh, December, I think. Hopefully. So, uh, were we through uh, our list? I think so. I do not know if I have anything else burning, pressing, I know. Can we take the last one? The DPOs can fix anything. I'm going to hire this person. No, you know what? I'm going to give a person I already have hired 20% quote-unquote position and they're going to fix the whole GDPR thing for me. Yeah. Uh, all the compliance, uh, all the nitty-gritty, do all of the risk assessments, do all of the ROPAs and the privacy notices, not uh, least. So, uh, yeah, that is a big one and I think a lot of our listeners can relate to this one. How do you fix it? You hire bigger teams. Like, let me tell you, if uh, I I went from recommending to have a DPO, of course, if you if you are obliged to have one, but now I say, if you need a DPO, you need at least two people. Like, no doubt in my mind that you you would need somebody on the operational side because your DPO cannot go in and execute all of the things. They need support. And as a DPO, I think it's super important. You go around, you tape uh, the GDPR article on data protection officers to your head and you explain, these are my tasks, this is not my job, I need more resources. And in case nobody hears you, at least, well, you get to you know sit there smugly and say, well, I told you so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I have one final one. I think this is uh, a very relevant uh, relevant uh, one, actually. The business email addresses aren't personal data. Right. Yeah. No, that, that is a tough slash funny one, I feel. Um, info yeah. at bedrebedrift.no. 
So that is a bis- that is uh, not personal data because it you cannot identify a single person from it. But business emails where you have typically like the first and last name and then at and the uh, the domain after. So uh, a lot of people, a lot of people still think that if it's available on their website, you can just uh, pick it up from there and uh, market uh, cold market to them. But I have to say that the rules here they differ. So in Norway, you cannot actually do that because the business email is personal data for which you still need consent to market to them. But in the UK, for example, under the PECR, if they are defined as a corporate subscriber, then you might market to them without the consent and then rely on legitimate interest. Uh, So this is the UK's implementation of uh, e-privacy. And they also say that the UK GDPR still applies. So you have to know your market is the main takeaway there. Yes. My God, we're even ending it on the most grumpiest of all words, (laughs) e-privacy. I'm not going to say anything. I will just say e-privacy as such. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh, so many things to come there. Uh, will we have a e-privacy regulation in 2024, you think? I hope not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's let's see how that yeah. pans out. But I'm sure, you know, we have such an exciting year ahead of us. We have a huge yes. backlog of episodes that we have promised our listeners for so long. And we have a few guests. Uh, that we are going to invite and get on the show. So, you know, I'm super psyched for a grumpy GDPR 2024. Bring it on. I I just feel like today, I I just feel like I was a bit too negative, but then I thought, wait, this is grumpy GDPR. This is who we are. And if, you know, if two sentences out there are interesting and helpful to anyone, yay. And the next year is going to be just amazing. We have so many things to talk about. And just as you, I'm stoked. Yeah. So I think I just wish to uh, wish everybody very, very, very happy holidays and some time off. I hope everybody yeah. gets some downtime. Oh my gosh, all the uh, the hardworking uh, folks in, uh, in our space, they really, really deserve some time off. And uh, also a big heartfelt shout out to all of you that listen to our podcast and support us we so hugely appreciate every single one of you so thank you absolutely thanks everybody and take care and you will hear back from us in not too long yes you will thank you take care bye bye